everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Camp Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren McMillan, and I'm so happy to be here with you today. Today, we're joined by Bristol Pasatko. She is with ACA as the Grants and Special Projects Manager, and she's here to tell us all about camp school partnerships. Now, this is not necessarily a, a new concept, but it might be new to some of you. Um, and as we know, Camps can be powerful community partners in the education of our children. And so ha having a camp school partnership can be a very exciting, innovative, and satisfying opportunity, but it's also something that takes insight, creativity, and perseverance. We're going to dive into this conversation and learn all about them. And um, as you listen, perhaps maybe these questions, these topics will help you consider if a camp school partnership is right for you and your programming, or at the very least, it'll give you some, some great insight and ideas for how we can further bridge the gap between the education sphere and the camp industry. So let's dive right in. Bristol, welcome to the Camp Warrior Podcast. Thank you, Lauren. Very excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So first, tell us a little bit about you and your role as the Grants and Special Projects Manager. Thank you. Well, I support the Camp School Partnership Demonstration Project, and it's a collaborative effort between the American Camp Association and the National Summer Learning Association, aka NSLA. Um, and so that started last summer, and I actually was brought on in August 2022 after the first summer had launched for this project. And it's a two-year project where we get to support 10 camps with a gift of $50,000 spread over two years. And we are supporting them in creating an innovative partnership with a local school. And uh, the goal is to serve the kids that were most affected by the pandemic, especially those rising, you know, the children entering middle school or already in middle school, and specifically from communities that are marginalized, historically underrepresented in the camp sphere. Um, and especially if you're an educator, you know, those are also the populations that have the greatest achievement gap. And so then you add on to that, if you think about summer learning loss, we also um, have a responsibility to help students not get behind during the summer. And so there's also the opportunity gap when it comes to summer camp. So this is a great opportunity to address both of those from the school and the camp sides by bringing people together. And um, going back to the funding with this, it serves as um, kind of like seed funding. So these camps were able to go to their schools and say, hey, we have funding from this partnership project with ACA and NSLA, and do you have the ability to match that funding? Um, so a lot of the camps were able to get matching funds, whether monetary or in kind, like transportation or just sending some staff to attend camp. Um, and so if it's $25,000 for that first summer, some of the schools actually gave the camps up to $25,000 in matching funds. Um, and all of this is funded by generous gifts from the New York Life Foundation and the Charles Stewart Mott Foundations. Amazing. Okay, so that's fantastic. So last year, or I guess this last summer, we saw 10 camp school partnerships formed. But is this something that um, beyond those 10 camp school partnerships, is this something that has been going on for 
for far longer than that? Do we see many other camp school partnerships or is this kind of like the key focus area that, that we've been looking at? This is definitely something that has been going on for a very long time. And I don't know if there's even <laughs> like concrete data about how long camp school partnerships have existed, because as long as people who care about kids have existed, I'm sure there have been communities where people have worked at the schools and worked at camps and brought them together. So this isn't a completely new idea. The reason we're calling it an innovation is because all of this new funding from the American Rescue Plan after the pandemic um, so there's all this federal funding through the elementary and secondary school emergency relief funds. So we are saying, hey, this is a new way for the K through 12 formal education system to look at what they provide their students. And we're kind of over here waving, hey, we're camps. <laughs> Come, We've been doing a really great job at addressing the things that we are now recognizing as an American society need to be addressed after the pandemic. So we're saying social emotional learning or, um, you know, just basic like mental health and also catching students up. And so there have been, there are things going on everywhere across the country. And we want to highlight the fact that if we can formalize this relationship between camps and schools, a lot of good can happen. Yes. Oh, 100%. How would you say that this differs from what we think of as like out of school time programs? So like, I know a lot of schools offer, offer like after school, after school programming, whether it's um, like enrichment programs, or even if, if kids are just staying later after school because their parents work, how would you say that these partnerships and these programs differ from those school enrichment or after-school activities? That's a great question. I almost think about like the different people who might be coming to this conversation and <laughs> they might have a different answer for that. And so really the most basic answer for that is this is simply a multiple day experience. It could be one day, it could be overnight, it could be two days to a week, but we're taking the students outside of their normal classroom environment and we're bringing them into a camp experience and um, giving them that robust environment to safely try new things, to build skills that you don't have time for in the classroom and the regular school day. Um, so it we for the 10 camps that participated in this project, we didn't require that it fit a specific structure, but we trusted them to know their community and the schools that they were partnering with and to create a camp experience that served the goals of the school and what the kids needed. So for some camps, like we had a camp in Texas that serves a very small rural population, they partnered with two elementary schools and everyone was too busy during the summer, didn't have the capacity to do this during the summer. So they actually created a fall orientation experience and they're going to continue that. They started with the sixth graders and then they're going to continue with the seventh graders in the following year. And each year they're going to add on a day. And so it doesn't have to be this big summer long 
camp experience. It can be just a few days. Um, but it's definitely not something that is happening every day after school, like a club, and it's not done typically at the school. Okay. So yes, you hit on two topics that I had questions about and, and would love to learn more. One is, I think, well, obviously it makes sense that they wouldn't do these programs necessarily in the summer, especially if they're partnering with a camp and summer is our busiest time for that. But, um, but I think that that's opens up so much more possibility if camps are listening and thinking of like, well, we would love to do something like this, but how could we possibly when our summers are already so booked, but knowing, and again, maybe I'm just the only one realizing this, but knowing that these can happen kind of all throughout the rest of the year, that just Mm -hmm. creates so much more opportunity. Um, and I think that that can really be encouraging Again, if somebody's thinking we would love to do this, but don't have the capacity, right? Yeah, they absolutely might in other times of the year. And then yeah, you have to you, go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say you have to kind of break out of that model of this is how we've always been doing things, and mm-hmm. so let's let's fit it into what we already know. It's about okay, we're partnering with the school, and how can we work together and yes. maybe make something different? Yes, and also if camps are looking for ways to offer and use their facilities throughout the rest of the year, I feel like that's frequently a topic that comes up of how can we offer our services and our programming beyond the summer? And this just seems like a perfect opportunity to do that and also to strengthen community partnerships and to increase um, the awareness about the programs that they offer other times of the year. And so something else that you touched on was that there was no necessarily set structure for these 10 camp school partnerships. And so one of the questions that I have, and maybe it varies based on location, based on audience and organization, is there like a general, from what you saw, a general way that each of these camp school partnerships looked, or did it vary wildly, just depending on on where they were and and yeah. um, and who was running these? What, what did... What did a a day in the life of a camp school partnership look like? (laughs) Well, what I've found myself saying is the programs varied as much as the communities they served Mm -hmm. Uh, because it really like one of them in California was Astro Camp and, you know, (laughs) they're going to space every day and that's probably not something that happened at other camps. Um, You know, I will say the majority of them were able to take place during the summer, but it was the very end. And so it was maybe towards the end of their normal, maybe say like if you had like a 10 week long camp, typically, then maybe they did that 11th week was Mm -hmm. their special partnership week of camp. Um, But again, it's like, no, there really wasn't like a typical day. Each camp did provide a proposal to us of, hey, this is what we want to do. This is how we're going to meet our goals. Um, these are the goals we're setting based on what the school needs. Um, a lot of them did a pretty traditional camp day in terms of you wake up, there's morning bell, we do some camp songs, we go to the mess hall, we have breakfast, uh, and then we go to the next activity. And it was within those activity blocks where the partnership served the kids in the way that they needed it. Some camps, um, there was one like in Boston, for instance, serving Boston public school kids. 
they were able to actually hire certified teachers from the Boston Public Schools. And so those students got um, some math, some English tutoring. They had those academic skills filtered in throughout the day. And then they would go do traditional camp activities while other camps had their traditional camp activities, but they were able to bring in more of the academic debrief or bring in, you know, academic aspects or teach a few new skills within something um, that they've already been doing. And then some other camps did really traditional camp activities like rock climbing, you know, or a rock wall, but they're serving students who typically just wouldn't have had that experience for Mm -hmm. whatever reason. Maybe they couldn't afford it. Maybe their families had never really experienced camp. And so it, yeah, I, I want to say, oh, this is what they all looked like, but I wish I could have visited every single one because they all were doing really unique things that had a huge impact on the kids. Yes. I I think that's awesome. And I, even though I feel like I personally would want like, okay, I need to know like all the steps I need to follow to make sure this program is very successful. But like you touched on, there are so many different types of camp beyond Mm -hmm. just like what you think of as like a traditional overnight like Americana camp. And, yeah. and so I think that knowing that these camps and these schools can um, kind of make it their own based on what they already do extremely well, as well as tailoring it to the kids that they're working with and the communities that they're working with, like you mentioned, I think that's so beautiful that they don't have to follow like a set, um, a set of guidelines but rather they can just kind of run wild with it and and do what they do best. Um, And I also think it's so great from an inclusivity standpoint, uh, uh, being able to provide like equitable access for these communities that, like you said, may not have had camp as part of their Mm -hmm. background, or it might not be something that is regularly stitched into their culture or their community. So I just think all around, this is just such a cool way yeah. to kind of weave camp into these areas. And, and like you said, and like we touched on earlier, tying it in with, with education and showing the incredible value that the two have together. Yes. So while there might not be a set of guidelines for how to run a camp school partnership, right? there may be some considerations that camps and schools might want to think about if somebody's like, Oh, hundred percent. Absolutely. We want to do something like this. I imagine it might be very overwhelming to then know like, okay, where do we possibly start? But, Mm -hmm. uh, you all have outlined some, some key areas. And I think this can be really helpful if we'll, we'll dive into this next about, um, things to think about when starting this conversation and really thinking through like, okay, do we have the resources? Where do we need to start? Um, what should we do first? in developing a camp school partnership. So I'm going to list these real quick and we'll just we'll d- dive in if that's good. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. So we're going to look at program design, finding funds, using alliances and resources, building relationships and creating a proposal. So let's back up to the first one, program design. What do you think camps, schools, you can dive into like who reaches out to who first, you know, like who makes the first call? Mm-hmm. Um but okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Program design. <laughs> Start there. Program design. I mean, 
there's a camp for everything. I'm even a parent myself. I have an eight-year-old and a three-year-old boy, and they've been going to camp since they were allowed to. And there's a camp for science. I used to even run after school day camp or I used to run an after school program. And then I also used to run a day camp that was more of STEM innovation focused. Mm -hmm. I've also been a soccer coach. So we did a soccer camp. I did cheerleading back in high school. I did a cheerleading camp. So when you come to program design, like we talked about before, know what you do well. And don't feel like you need to completely create something new and different. You need to provide the school an explanation of, hey, here's what we do and here's how we're going to do it. So if I were wanting to create a camp school partnership, I need to think about, first of all, why that's going to guide me in my program design. Mm -hmm. Why am I wanting to create this partnership? Is it because I see that need? Do I see that there's um, a school in my community that doesn't have as many after school or summer camp programs, and I want to fill that gap? Um, or am I just trying to get more kids and, you know, increase profits? And both of those are fine, whether, you know, maybe you run a nonprofit or a for-profit camp. Um, and so I think what I'm getting to is really the best thing you can do is go in with some options for the school. And we'll get into how you actually get into the school and have this conversation. But it's good to say, hey, we can do A, we can do B. And even if those two don't fit, I'm happy to figure out what we can create together as an option C to best meet your needs. Um, And you want to, (laughs) there's this thing called consultative selling process, which I learned back in the day when I first left college. Okay. Have you heard of that before? No. Tell me about it. So um, it's basically having a consultation with someone and finding out what they need, which is a completely normal thing. And it's great. Yeah. yeah, And it's great for communication. It's also great for sales, but it's also just great when you're coming into a partnership is if you think about it, like you're a consultant and you're going to help them solve their problem. So find out what their problem is before you go in with a solution. And so that's why at first I feel like I'm rambling about program design, but it's really like, I can't tell you what your school is going to need, Mm -hmm. but I can tell you that if you have some options, you can find out, okay, do you need help with leadership skills? Because we have something for that, right? Um, Do you need help with academic success? Okay, here's how we can fit academic success into our program. Do you need help with just team building and creating a positive culture among your incoming sixth graders? Great. Here's what we can do to solve that. Um, But you're not going to get to that point until you actually have this conversation and you start building a relationship and start listening to the school leader. Yes, absolutely. So the next bullet point, which I'm sure folks listening may be like, okay, well, maybe we should start here instead is finding funds. And I think it's important to note that the, the camp school partnership program, as far as, um, what ACA worked on last summer with those 10 partnerships that were created, that is what we're talking about with camp school partnerships. We're, we're certainly not trying to limit it to those Mm -hmm. 10 programs. We would love to see this become a nationwide thing that just happens all year round. 
So, and of course those programs were able to receive funds, um, through the work that you all did. But if a camp is looking for ways to form and, and, um, implement a camp school partnership, but if they either are not receiving those funds from the program that you all are working on, or if they don't know, um, where exactly to get funding Mm -hmm. on their own, how do they go about starting that process? That's a great question. Um, it can seem very overwhelming mm-hmm. and daunting. I've been there before. I I once started a summer camp. It was um, some families had reached out to me because I was helping their kids have a little French immersion experience during the pandemic. And they said, hey, we want to continue this into summer and we need a summer camp. Can you create this? And I was like, okay, how do I... <laughs> How do I go about doing this? And so first, you know, you do the math, right? To figure out how many students do I need to make this work? What's that cost going to be if I have this many staff? Those sorts of things camp operators, I would imagine, know how to do. And so at that point, then you figured out, okay, if I have, if I want to serve, like, let's say 50 kids from this local school and they're not, you know, we don't have the funding to cover that. And we want this to be something good that we put out there for the community. Um, The first thing would be to go to that school and see if they have funds, because there are millions of dollars that still have yet to be used from the American Rescue Plan and the elementary and secondary school emergency relief fund. Yeah. So there is still a lot of funding out there. Sometimes a school just doesn't know that you're there and you could serve that purpose. And then they might be like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. We've been wanting to do this and just didn't even know, or we didn't even have the time yet. Like Mm -hmm. everyone is so strapped and over, you know, overworked probably right now. Yes. Everything. So I would just imagine that a school doesn't have all the time that they need to put towards creating a summer camp because they're mm-hmm. focusing on the school year. Um, so it's great if you can come in and say, hey, did you have a budget for this? So that's the most basic, right? Is like going to the school and seeing if this is something that they've already planned for and if they have that funding that came down from the federal government. But each state is different. So I know some of our partners, we have one in Georgia that received money directly from the state from those federal funds, and they didn't have to go through the school. So the number one place you should go to to figure out what is the requirements for your state is go to your um, local education um, organization, like Mm -hmm. your Department of Ed, Department of Education. Um, And there will be someone there who will talk to you. And so you just have to do a little bit of digging first to find out what are the rules in my state. And could my camp potentially qualify by itself without even having to get money from the school? Right. Okay. Yeah. Another option would be community foundations. And this is something that we actually have been having a conversation among the 10 camps and we just hosted a webinar. And so um, maybe we can link the webinar. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. Yes. Yeah, that would be great because um, Anna Hutchins from Camp Twin Lakes in Georgia was just sharing about all of the work she does to communicate the impact of their programs and share that with donors and community foundations. So they do a lot of work 
raising funds through individual donors. And so that's potential if your school or your camp is looking for fundraising. Maybe it's like an individual doning, um, you know, some sort of fundraiser like that. Or you go to that community foundation or find bigger groups like the Bank of America, for instance, was one example that Anna used. Um, they support a lot of local community foundations. And so you can reach out to them and see, okay, what's the application process like? Who do I need to talk to? What do you need? Um, and so that's another good starting point. And maybe there's also just a good partner, potential partner in your community that would want to sponsor something like this, just like how teams sponsor. Um, I've always seen like on my kids' soccer uniform, there's an ad for the local dentist. Yeah. So, you know, maybe there's a local dentist out there who wants to support your camp. Um, and so it's about getting creative. And if you're passionate about something you're doing, it gets others excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the, the other question that always comes up too is the for-profit camps, because I a lot of what I just talked about relates more to nonprofits um, because they can get those gifts and donations. But if you're a for-profit camp, it's a little more complicated. And so um, it doesn't mean that you don't have like the positive moral approach to this just because you're a for-profit camp. You just do it differently. Um, So something that worked when I was working at a for-profit after, I keep saying after school, a for-profit day camp was um, we would serve as a vendor for a nonprofit program. So there was, for instance, a foundation that supported the local school district, and we were one of their vendors, but then the foundation um, presented the program in partnership with us. Okay. 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 So we've got a lot of options here to work with. Yeah. Okay. So the next bullet point is on using alliances and resources. We've already touched a little bit on that with different community organizations that uh, camps might reach out to regarding funds or even designing their programs and seeing what's already available. What else in this category do camps need to consider when it comes to utilizing and, and reaching out to alliances and other resources? Number one is we're all stronger together. It's so cliche, but it's <laughs> true. And the most fruitful professional experiences I've had is when there are multiple people from multiple representing multiple organizations that can address all of the interests. So you're just one camp and maybe you only have a few people who work in your office. And this is a lot of work. It's, you know, you are creating a new program that if you're doing it right, you're serving the public school kids who need more access to this. And that means you probably will have more paperwork to fill out. You know, there are going to be more things that come up. Um, Maybe, for instance, maybe in the past, kids would just bring their school lunch or bring their lunches from home every day if you did it more like a day camp situation. But if you're serving a community where majority of kids or the entire school qualifies for free or reduced price lunch, I would not expect them to have to bring a school lunch every day, right? I wouldn't want them to bring a lunch from home every day. So then you need to find a partner. And maybe that is a vendor that then you have to pay for and you have to figure out like, 
who's paying for that? Is that me? Is that the school? So things just add up very quickly. But once you've established and you've found your group of partners and this creative coalition, then that first year might take a lot of work. But once you nurture that and you keep coming back, it'll become that well-oiled machine, as people say. Mm, yeah. And it's it's going to get people really bought in and excited and motivated to do it again the next year. If you're really looking at this as a partnership and a collaboration, not just like, hey, you're, you're um, you know, like you're my vendor, I pay you, we're done. We have to have that mindset of these are all relationships. These are all people who care about this work. And so let's find people who can do this because sure, maybe I can do it, but I can't do it anymore because I have all these other things to do. And let's find someone who can partner and be fulfilled. And I worry that if one camp tries to do it all and it grows and it gets bigger, things will fall through the cracks, mm-hmm. you know, and we're not just talking about things. We're talking about kids and lives. And it's just so much easier if you have a team to back you up, even if you're like homesick for the day, you don't want it to all be about you. Um, and maybe I'm saying that because I've had a cold for the last couple of days. <laughs> you're like, this hits so, home. <laughs> yeah. But um, it was you know, I think back to, I went to the NSLA, the National Summer Learning Association conference mm-hmm. in DC this past October. And one of their keynote speakers was Thomas Friedman from the New York Times. And he talked about our world is so interconnected now that it's going to be impossible to succeed if we don't have these creative coalitions. And I'm probably not, you know, doing the exact quote justice, but it really inspired me to think, yeah, like we just need everyone to get on board and we need to bring together camp people and school people. And then also those community-based organizations because everyone is doing something. And instead of trying to be in our silo, let's all come together yes. and be stronger together. Yes. Oh, it was beautiful. Well, and it ties perfectly into the next topic, which is on building relationships. I feel mm-hmm. like this could be a very broad umbrella. Um, to talk about, but, um, how does it apply or how do you apply this concept of building relationships to camp school partnerships? It's, it's not going to succeed if you don't have a strong relationship. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that goes on at the school level. And I immediately, my mind immediately goes to like turnover. I used to be a school teacher and I lasted for about five years until I had my first child. And I was like, hiding under the table, trying to finish my pumping break while I had middle schoolers banging on my door to let them in. Oh my goodness. You know, and like it, it's, um, education is a very intense industry and so is camping. Right. And the people who come into these jobs really care a lot and they want to be there and they want to like be there to make a difference in kids' lives. Mm -hmm. And so, the number one thing we can do if we can't, we can't like, (laughs) I wish we could like throw a ton of money at it, (laughs) but like the number one thing we can do is just appreciate people and build a positive relationship and show them how much we care about what they're doing. So that's like, that's what I come to this work with. And I feel like if I'm talking to other people about how to build relationships for these camp school partnerships, it's about your mindset 
Mm-hmm. And it's about um, recognizing that we're all trying to do our best for the kids. And so those positive intentions really do make a difference as you head into the partnership. Because if you can just take five minutes even to get to know that school leader that you're meeting with, you know, finally, first of all, the fact that they gave you time to meet during the day, that's awesome. So just getting that meeting, and maybe we should talk about that in a minute, but just getting that meeting is a big deal. And so that person has taken time out of their day and they're hoping that there's something you can do for them. And like, they're hoping that this is going to be the meeting that really makes a difference. Right. And so take that time to get to know them, get to know their needs, and then nurture that and value it as you move through the experience. And so something we talk about at ACA is um, continuous quality improvement, basically continuous improvement, right? Like you're always reflecting back on what you did and how it can be better. Um, And that's just a great skill in life. And that's a great skill for relationships. So if you think about what does a good relationship need, it needs that honesty, it needs trust. And if you mess up, that's okay, because we all work with kids and we know that happens. And so it's more about how you deal with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I once had a really hard meeting. I had been running summer camp at a private school in Los Angeles, and um, I had been gone on maternity leave. Again, I keep talking about babies, but um, I'd been gone on maternity leave and I didn't realize that their needs hadn't been met during Mm -hmm. the previous summer. And so when I came in for the meeting, they let me know that they didn't want to continue the partnership. And it was a really hard thing to hear. And, um, you know, I took in, I took notes about all their feedback and I thanked them and I asked them, is there anything else? And I think that's one of the hardest questions to ask, but one of the most crucial Mm -hmm. is like, thank you. Is there more? (laughs) Right. Because we don't want to know the answer sometimes. Yeah. It's so hard. And I think that's also something I I learned it in um, a pre-marriage workshop. I think I took before marrying my husband, but just asking like, thank you. Is there more can really let down someone's guard and let them know that you care and you want to do what's best by them. And even though the partnership didn't continue, I still have a relationship with those people, with the people that I met with, you know? Um, and we left on a good note, even though, you know, we didn't have that contract. They still thought highly of myself and of the organization and the people they'd worked with. And it's fine. Like if they made a decision, we can move on. And so it's the same thing with moving towards a a long-term camp school partnership. You just have to be able to prepare for those hard conversations and work together and problem solve together and figure out, okay, what do we need to do this year? How can we make it better? Um, and then send thank yous. <laughs> I think that there's one thing you take from this is send thank yous. Um, and just be, you know, have a sense of gratitude for all the work that people are putting in maybe even Starbucks gift cards. It's that's also kind of a cliche in the education world, <laughs> but you know, gift bags, little gifts at the end of the summer, at the end of the program, go a long way. Yes. hundred percent. I would love to talk what you mentioned, like getting that meeting in the first place, 
<laughs> I used to use the software with my my Gmail connected with Salesforce where you could actually track if someone opened your email. And okay. so, yes, the first thing I think of is I send out cold emails, you know, just like cold calling, cold emails to schools that I wanted to partner with back in the day. Um, this was before ACA. This is when I was a region director managing day camps and we would we never had our own site, like a brick and mortar camp. We would partner with the schools and we would go and transform their school during the summer and turn it into something totally different. And then we'd clean it up and leave. And so each year I was tasked in the fall with finding new school partners so we could expand. And I remember I found this one group and I was like, this would be perfect. I'd known the community since going to college. I just knew they were well aligned with the camp I was running. And so I really wanted to make it happen. I sent an email and then I, a week later, I don't even know if it was a week. I think over the weekend, I kept seeing that they kept opening it and they kept opening my email. They kept opening it and I heard nothing (laughs) for like a couple weeks. And then finally they emailed me back and it was the most exciting day. And so I say all of that because it's, you never know. Um, because since I stopped using that software, I've sent out cold emails and I have no idea if yeah. people are opening <laughs> them or not. <laughs> and you don't know how, how many times someone needs to hear from you to actually respond. Um, mm-hmm. I think if someone's in sales, they probably know the exact number of, I forget the word. It's like impacts or, you know, right. Or like how many times you pop into their line of vision or right. Yeah. Like how many times a company needs to email you a coupon for you to actually use it. Right. So it's, you know, you're selling your camp, whether you're a nonprofit or for-profit, you're, you're trying to get that attention. So the more opportunities you have, the better. Um, I've gone to PTA meetings and try to meet parents there and um, have a PTA parent advocate for us. I've taken them out to coffee. (laughs) What else? What are some other tools you can do? Um, So we talked about, I mean, of course, cold calling, just call right up. Um, That's usually one of the first steps. Hey, I'm, I'm who I am from this camp and I really want to serve your students. Is, is principal XYZ available? It takes a lot of uh, gumption, I think is the word that I used to use, right? right? Yes. <laughs> um, and so you got to get creative, um, but, you know, don't cross boundaries. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> but I think, I think that's a good thing for people to hear is that if you reach out and if somebody doesn't respond, the first person that's you reach okay. out to doesn't respond, I think it could be very discouraging. Be like, oh, well, I guess, guess we can't do it this year. That's not the case. No, do not stop. You mm-hmm. have to keep going. And you know, that's good. You said that Lauren too, because it made me remember like I would have a spreadsheet and I would have the school I was hoping to partner with. And then I would have multiple people on that spreadsheet as different columns. And then I would have columns next to that with like how often I contacted them. And I would try calling like once a week, twice a week, send an email. Hey, I left you a voicemail. Just wanted to follow up. Um, and sometimes it would take a lot of that. And eventually someone would reply and be like, oh yes, I've been meeting a follow-up. Thank you. We just finished spring mm-hmm. break. It's so busy. You know, you never know what people have going on. So right. 
again, I just assumed best intent until they actually tell me to stop. Right. If I don't hear anything, that doesn't mean no. Exactly. Yes. And remembering that it just takes one response. Yes. To keep you pushing in the direction that you yeah. want to go. So also, introductions are great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So one other tactic we used is um, if you do have a camp that's been operating in an area and maybe you have a happy camp parent, maybe they know someone. So asking mm-hmm. for referrals, referrals are always a great way to go. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you never know where that could lead in terms of those connections. But also I'm thinking like, if you need a vendor or, or another type of resource, Mm -hmm. somebody may know somebody who is willing to maybe like donate something like as a gift in kind. Like, I think there's no telling what doors can be open when we just, we keep persevering and building those relationships. Moving on to the, to the fifth topic now, creating a proposal. Yes. So we're reaching out to all these people, telling them what we want to offer and how excited we are about it and how it's going to make an incredible impact. Mm-hmm. How do we put that all into writing? Or is that the first step? And then is the proposal, is that what we're telling to these people that we're trying to partner with? Or is that something that we are then presenting to or first presenting to agencies or funding organizations? I'm getting ahead of myself yeah. again. No, Let's this is great. Creating there, a proposal. Yes. A couple of things I did over the years that I was doing this myself, this isn't just even supporting the camp school partnership project. Um, I would have like a, a one page you know, I think of it as like a brief little who we are. Just think about it like you're a pamphlet, you know, you have a pamphlet, like you're going door to door and someone's like, oh, you know, what do you have? Like, here, leave me your info and then I'll look at it. So if I'm calling someone, they don't answer, I send them an email. Hey, by the way, I've attached this one pager that tells you a little bit more about us and has my info at the bottom. So that's always good to have just in general. And probably a lot of the camps listening to this do have some sort of basic flyer. So that's good to just have. And maybe you want to tweak it a little bit for schools. Like you might want to say something um, based on the goals that you think they might have. Maybe academic, like, you know, here are some services we can provide. Academic, um, emotional, mental health, you know, list out some of those more specific things that schools might have that funding for. And then pictures are always great to include. Mm -hmm. And also some sort of quote um, and some sort of statistic from your previous programs. That might be something like 96% of parents would send their kids again, or, you know, 95% of kids felt that camp helped them build their confidence. Right. Those sort of really impactful outcomes are huge and get people's attention. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, and that's, that also goes back to knowing your community because maybe you're a specialty camp or maybe you have a specific philosophy on things and you want to make sure that's aligned with the school you're reaching out to. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, maybe with the current political climate, you don't know, you know, you need to know what um, the current district is valuing and maybe what they have stepped away from lately for political reasons. I think about like social emotional learning has become a term in some places that 
camps have stopped using and they're doing more specific. Um, they're just naming what they're actually focusing on, like self-efficacy, mm-hmm. right? And so we can stay away from the buzzwords that maybe um, cause a little bit more uh, discomfort for some people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then having that one pager is great to attach. And then you could even like have a picture of yourself, like contact me to learn more. Um, and then when it actually, when you do get that meeting, congrats. And, um, that proposal, you definitely want to come with something. It's always nice to have a physical version, um, so that you don't have to have your computer up and, you know, be looking at a screen instead of people. I used to try to print out enough copies for everyone in my meeting. Um, and I would also have it in a folder with pockets, with my business card, maybe with some more flyers, with pictures, any other sort of fun materials that we have. Maybe you have like um, a page of success stories or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would put all that into a folder and then I would print out the presentation. So I wouldn't want to make it too long, but you know, a solid five page presentation feels good. Um, and it would always cover things like, um, our mission, our goals, and, um, what kind of services we provide. And if you have a specific program, like if you're saying, okay, we're going to do a three-day retreat, it's overnight at our site. Then I would break that down into what does that look like? You know, kids leave at this time, they come back this time. It provides this many hours of um, team building skills, meals are included. Here's the cost and, um, this ratio of kids to staff, things like that. And then I would also have another page, like I said before, of like quotes and statistics and like something that really legitimizes your program Mm -hmm. so that they, um, you keep building that trust. Um, and if you have menu of items, then maybe a different page about each menu in the school and you could talk about each of those. And um, yeah, and then from there, like a want to know more and you can build that up into however big of a presentation you want to make, but you also don't want to take too much time presenting. You want to take more time listening to them. And then sending them the thank you after. And then sending them. (laughs) That's our (laughs) takeaway. You said, you said a word there that I think that um, schools may be wondering about, and I'm sure our, our listeners may be wondering about, and that is staff mm-hmm. who, and I, I'm sure it can vary, but staffing is already kind of top of mind for camps right. um, when they're looking to fill their staffing needs during the summer or whenever they have their regularly scheduled programming. I don't want it to become another layer or a different level of, um, of a challenge to find mm-hmm. staffing for, for a camp school partnership. So I guess maybe in your experience along with like, what advice do you have for, um, like who is, who is staffing these, um, these camps, these partnerships? Yeah. I mean, you said it already, Lauren, it does vary. Um, this is something that the camps have talked about is their challenge, just like the entire industry is dealing with it. It's just a challenge to get staff on the whole. 
Um, so as much as possible, the camps that felt really successful with this did have staff coming from the school. Okay. And so that was part of the strategic choice around scheduling it later in the summer or in the early fall, because then the teachers are back and they're available to do that. Because if we're trying to partner with a school, the teachers have complete opposite schedules from camp and they might want that summer off. But if you can figure out with the school leadership a way to get the teachers there, that's going to be the best. That would be awesome. Because if you're thinking of, a, like, let's say going back to that, like, on average three-day camp school partnership program, we're taking the kids from their school, they're coming off-site to our campsite to build that community and that positive culture. Let's get the teachers there with them. And so that is something that you'll want to communicate with the principal from the beginning and see, or the whoever the school leader is, right? Like, let's get them on board with the value of bringing those teachers and the school staff with the kids because the teachers get a break from leading the classroom and they get to see their kids in a different environment. Mm -hmm. And I've heard stories of teachers who had that quote problem kid and then they see them at the camp setting and they learn more about them and they get to just have regular conversations and learn that they have their strengths and they have, you know, they're like the special person and they build that relationship and they get to have a positive start to going into the school year. Yeah. So it's so valuable for the educators. What I would recommend is if you can build it in from the beginning in that presentation, say, hey, we'll have some of our camp staff leading activities, maybe like rock climbing, right? We don't expect the teachers to know how to lead rock climbing. Mm -hmm. um, and so we'll have our camp director, we'll have whatever appropriate number of staff you think you need for that program. So if we have three camp staff, let's try to also have three school staff. And then the school staff can walk around with the camp, with the students, kind of like a counselor would and go to the specialists who are then the camp staff. And so if it could be really evenly divided, that's a dream. But I know a lot of the camps had a hard time with that in this first mm -hmm. year. Our hope is that as the teachers get used to it and more, you know, acclimated to the idea of going out maybe into the woods with their campers. Yes. <laughs> yes then they'll get, you know, there'll be more buy-in. Um, but it is a process of convincing people and winning them over. And so that's why a lot of camps ended up adding this on to the end of their summer because then they had the same summer camp staff. So then the schools sent the students. And I know at least one of our partners had no school staff attending. It was okay. just, yeah, it was just their summer camp staff. So you have to be flexible with these, especially as you're starting them. And just because it's not your ideal in that first year, doesn't mean you can't get there, but it takes time. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a very important to remember. And also keeping in mind that, that, you know, the more people are coming to see your campsite and the more, um, I don't know, from either teachers or even kids, like as they, as they're getting older, I think we never know, like one of them may fall in love with, with your campsite and then want to be on staff the following yes. summer. 
So I, I just think keeping that in perspective, like the bigger picture and what you're trying to do long-term, I think that can really be helpful because I'm sure as staffing issues continue, that can, that could easily be very frustrating and disheartening. Yeah. It's about exposure. Mm -hmm. And that's also something where if you can get extra funds, well, we can put those towards personnel costs. Like you could get some, I know some of the camps used this grant towards just paying the teachers or paying the staff to be there. Mm-hmm. And that's a big, that can make a big impact. Um, also providing some training beforehand is great. So if like you might have a, a school leader who's so on board and volunteers their teachers and the teachers have no idea what's what's going on and maybe they're not excited, but if you can go to that school in the preseason before camp starts and do some training, get them involved, help them gain a little bit more exposure to what they're going to experience. That also is a good first step. So just like we scaffold activities for kids to be more successful, you have to think about it that way for the school. Like how can you scaffold this experience? Mm -hmm. Um, Because you're not going to go from zero to 100 right away. You're going to need to help them help bring them along with whatever vision you have for the program. That takes us into um, a question that I have that I'm sure other people may as well. What is a typical timeline for like start to finish? Like we want to do a camp school partnership and then the making sure it actually happens. Is there, and again, it might vary, but is there a general, maybe, maybe the question is more like how much time do you recommend that a camp kind of allow in the year? to make sure that all these different parts, um, are addressed and, and all these things are had, is there a general timeline that people might want to work with? Great. That's a great question. It varies. I'm just kidding. Well, it does. It varies by community. So, um, it depends on that relationship you have and how well, um, established you are with that partner, because I do know there are some camps or organizations that have been doing after-school programs or other things. Um, And if you already have a lot of your partnership figured out, you might be able to add this on really fast, that you might be able to go do this tomorrow and have it ready for June. Um, But if you have less capacity and if this is totally something new, I'd recommend at least a year to plan it out. Okay. And a really fun way to start is by inviting them to come tour camp during the summer and actually see you guys in action. Yes. Um, and so that's a fun way to kick it off, meet with a leader, tell them what you're about, show them what you're about, and then, you know, get a coffee and talk about what you could do together. And then recognize that the school administrator's year has a lot of seasonal up and downs. So of course, they're not really going to have a lot of time to talk to you at the beginning of the school year, right? When everything Mm -hmm. kicks off, but right after that is a good time to start reaching out and ask them what their schedule is like. So definitely reaching out in September is a great idea and we're already in March. So this, you know, maybe you're planning then for 2024, but if you're, if you're reaching out in September then you have a couple months to figure it out before everything gets crazy again for the Thanksgiving and um, Christmas breaks. And a lot of the time, don't expect to hear from schools during that time, you know. Um, and then 
some schools and districts are completely different and maybe they won't talk about it until January. They might just be like, oh, this, that's too far away. We have a whole process. We have requests for proposals, all of these guidelines and you know policies that are in place and very longstanding that you can't get around. And they might say, okay, you provide us an application, you fill out the paperwork in April if you want it for June. And that's very stressful. And that's a hard process to figure out. And so if it's something that you'd have to wait to like right until the very end, you have to get creative and figure out, okay, is this a school I can partner with in general? Is there someone I can talk to to maybe get some sort of letter of intent instead of like all this paperwork? Maybe I can at least make an agreement with someone knowing that I will fill out this application as we get closer. Um, but we can start planning in January and talking about what it's going to look like when I do fill out this application in April. Um, so I know like some parks and recs and school districts are more strict with things like that. So if you start all that research a year before, you can at least have a general idea of what you're getting into. And then maybe the following year you'll like you'll have it down and be able to get it approved. Yes. So it varies. Yeah. It does vary. That's that's our key <laughs> takeaway. Sending thank yous and knowing that things vary. Um yeah. And I think maybe if people hear that they're like, oh gosh, like that's a very long time. But I could also see the flip side is like, okay, we can we can exhale and know that we don't have to have this figured out within the next month and yes. giving yourself grace and time to 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 take your time with it. Um, that's so good you no say small that. Feet. Yeah, that's good you say that, Lauren, because of course you don't have to follow my suggestion for doing this that far in advance. And you can you could do it. I'm sure there are people out there who could take on the challenge and prove me wrong and go and like create something the month before, but it's going to be a lot more work in a much shorter frame of time. Yes. Um, and you're missing out on these awesome opportunities to go to the school. And something we haven't talked about is building that relationship with your community and with yes. the kids and the families that you're serving. So we don't want to come in and just be like, oh, I'm solving this problem for you all. And I have the most amazing solution. You come to my camp. I'm going to fix all your problems. We can't go in with that mentality and you want to just go and learn about your community and the kids that you're serving and take the time to answer their questions and take the time to have like meetings with the parents and question and answer sessions and go to some of their events and really like become a part of that school community so that it's not just something they do for three days, but you're actually part of that consistent process in that child's world mm -hmm. and you're helping enrich their entire life experience. Because that does bring us to the National Impact Study. We haven't talked about that yet. Oh, um, please. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm a part of the research and education team at ACA. And um, we just came out with the National Impact Study, which talks about the effect of summer camp on kids. And a big takeaway that affects camp school partnerships is that schools and camps are mutually reinforcing. So I'm making this circle with my hands because it's like school affects camp and camp affects school and vice versa. And it keeps going. And it's this whole sort of, you think about a kid as living in a huge ecosystem and camps aren't the one thing that can solve all their problems. 
school isn't the one place where all their problems can get solved. They also learn things at home, at religious institutions, at like community centers. There's this whole ecosystem living around a kid. So if we can enrich one part of their life, then that's going to give them a positive experience that they can take with them into other experiences. So, you know, we have a we have a really big responsibility to create high quality experiences that can inform the rest of their lives. And so if you can remain consistent in a kid's life, you know, research shows that that really makes a big impact. So especially if if you're a camp that's saying, hey, I want to go help families and kids that don't have access to this, then I, you know, you need to really think carefully, am I doing this for the right reasons? And am I going to be someone who's going to be around and stick around and provide a consistent source of positive experience and be a part of the community and like not just come in as like, hey, you know, here's your thing and now I'm gone. Mm -hmm. Um, We really, we need people to be invested in the communities that need it the most. Yes. Very well said. I feel like we could just drop the mic there, but um, (laughs) as we start to wrap up here, and I think this is a great tie in with the the impact study. um, I guess, what have you seen maybe looking at last summer with the the 10 camp programs across, was it seven States? Mm -hmm. Yes. I guess, where have you seen the greatest success um, or maybe the greatest impact um, any key takeaways and what can our listeners learn from these programs that have, um, previously been implemented and what, I guess, what are we learning to help inform the future of these camp school partnerships? What maybe that's, um, where do you see the greatest need for, um, improvement where, where programs can grow? What is, what is next? And I know that's a very broad (laughs) question. Um, I guess what are, what are some of your key takeaways so far from these partnerships and, um, what, what do you want to see for the future of these programs? Something that I keep hearing from the camps that participated in this demonstration project is that camp school partnerships are giving students from public schools the opportunity to do something that traditionally a lot of private schools have already been doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's, it's almost like this unspoken part of the achievement gap where you have students who have already had access to private school, prep school, and as part of that tradition at that school, they go on class trips you know, they go on camping trips, they go, they're just like all these trips that they're going on and they're not necessarily filling an academic need, but they're building those relationships and they're serving all of the outside of school aspects of a kid, right? Um, Building that confidence, putting them into challenges where they can learn that they are a strong person and then they can take those lessons with them through their life. And there are so many kids who get those experiences and so many who don't, right? And so it's an opportunity to make our world a little bit more equal, right? Mm -hmm. We're closing that opportunity gap as much as we can. Research is coming out from ACA that these camp experiences do have that meaningful impact, but we haven't yet 
looked at camp school partnerships as a specific educational intervention to say, hey, here's the proof, like here's the research behind the effects of these partnerships. So that's what this project is doing. And I'm hoping that in the next couple of years, we will actually be able to tell the public a partnership can have this specific effect. So then schools can adopt it and know the actual outcomes and data associated with a partnership. And that can be as simple as a camp, like a camping trip for all their sixth graders, right? But right now there isn't funding for that for all public school kids in the U.S. because there isn't any sort of research around why that should be as valuable as like standardized testing, right? Right, Um, yeah. So that's the big thing that we're seeing is um, in this past first year, we had a camp like the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Milwaukee. Sarah Rush is um, running Camp Whitcomb Mason up there. And they were a recipient of our $25,000 grant. She took that to Milwaukee Public Schools and they were able to gift her almost um, a 100% matching amount financially to run the program. And now in the second year, Milwaukee Public Schools has created a huge opportunity for more camps to do the same sort of partnership. Wow. Okay. Yes. And they're actually in the proposal stage, so she can't talk about it much right now, (laughs) but um, they will soon be awarding a lot of different camps, a lot of money to do something similar because they saw how successful it could be with the program that um, this camp ran up there last summer. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So this is really a, a, we're at like the foundation. We're at the starting point of, Mm -hmm. even though camp school partnerships have existed and anyone can go out and work hard to make a high quality one. My work right now is saying, let's actually formalize this and prove here are the outcomes. Here's the value. Here's why you should actually attach some money at the federal level and make this a, a consistent thing that we do for all kids for all time. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> obviously this is a very complex multi-layered topic and we've, we've, we've gone into the weeds in it. And I feel like we've, in some regards, I feel like there's so much more that we could discuss. So, um, for the sake of this conversation today, is there anything that we have not talked about that you want to touch on? I think for me, I feel like I don't want to leave listeners without telling them like, oh, here's how you should design your program. And here's all the different things you can add in because as people who are in the field, we always want to just know all the practical tools. Right. But I think it's, it's impossible to know exactly what you need before you go in and listen to your school Mm -hmm. and learn from them and just trust that, you know, what you do well and talk to other people about how can you blend that with what the school needs. If you're not sure, you can reach out to me. (laughs) You can go onto the camp school partnership website on ACA. um, And my contact info is in there. And we also have a community of practice where we'll keep having these conversations about lots of different topics. Okay. Yes. An ongoing conversation. And we'll be sure to link Um, put links to, to your contact information and other resources in the show notes so people can go, um, more. So, well, Bristol, this has been such a rich conversation. Thank you for sharing all things camp school partnerships. I feel like I have learned 
so much. And I'm sure our listeners have as well. Um, I hope so. (laughs) Well, again, we'll keep the conversation going. So thank you so much for joining us today. It was great having you. Thanks for having me. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to today's episode of the Campwire podcast. Be sure to check out all the resources available in the show notes about camp school partnerships. And if you help run a camp school partnership, we'd love to hear from you. Reach out, utilize the resources, share your experiences. Just like we said, let's keep this conversation going because this is an initiative that is really valuable and really needed, uh, I think, now more than ever. So we look forward to hearing from you. As always, be sure to subscribe to the campfire podcast so that you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes and you can follow american camp association at aca camps across all social media